Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, and I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. We're your hosts. Hi. Our guest today, well, our, you probably follow our guest today on Instagram. Probably. And if you don't, then you should. Brian Patrick Flynn, he's an interior designer, and you got your start producing and producing home improvement and makeover shows. Wait, does this mean we're officially recording right now? Yeah, we yes. Are. So I'm like on your podcast? You yes. Are. Welcome. Hi. It, You're now a big deal. You Brian Patrick, okay, we just call you Brian BPF. What's the deal, yeah? That's a good question. Mm. I'm not used to people saying my name. People just usually scream things at me. Mm. Uh, we can scream at you too if you like. Let me. Let's do this. Let's do, let's do a roundtable. Who wants to call me by my initials? Raise your hand. But you can't. No, people I'll on the podcast confused. can't see. Who wants to say all three names? I actually prefer all three names. You do? Yeah, just because it makes me sound like I like I'm super a personality. Legit. Or no, like respect. Do you know how most interior designers always have more names than other people? You know, like, like no one says Miles. They say Miles Red. Yeah, or they always use their middle names. So oh, like, you know, do. so let's just Is go with Brian like Patrick Flynn. Is Guild? If someone has the same name, you have to have a different name. That's why there's like M Michael J. Fox or something like that. I didn't know that. Mm. Wait, I really? did have a Brian Flynn in one of my classes. And I think that might be where it all started, where I started inserting the Patrick because oh. it was Brian Flynn and Brian Flynn both spelled the same way. So I added the, wow, this is taking me back. I feel like I'm in a therapy session. <laughs> yeah, Maybe cry. that is what I'm about to cry. I'm really sad. I think that's probably where this all came from. So let's just go with call me Brian Patrick Flynn until I tell you otherwise. How does that oh, sound? All right, sounds wonderful. I like it. Be but back. actually, on Instagram, you're B Patrick Flynn. How confusing is that? Aren't you? It's so confusing <laughs> because when Instagram, everybody, are you guys familiar with the app called Instagram? No, what okay. is it? Well, is have you heard of that? Okay. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's similar to Facebook. But what you do is you put it on your um, your mobile phone and you post pictures. But anyhow, when it first came out, like in 2012, when my friends, I was living in LA at the time, and they were like, "You should start using this because it makes everything look pretty and it takes away all the ads and all the clinks and stuff." And so I went to create a handle and I tried to do. Brian Patrick Flynn and not it wasn't taken it just wouldn't let me do it and I was like well it's not really that long of a name and I thought that other industry other like corporations had their entire name in there sure, right? but so I just decided to abbreviate it to be Patrick Flynn and it has been the bane of my existence socially because every time somebody meets me they come up and they're like hi Patrick or they're at B Patrick and even like famous people who like friends of mine who are super high profile like they still don't get it right I'm like eating dinner at their houses and they're like hey B Patrick and I'm like no it's Brian like you can skip the Patrick anyway there's a lot of feelings involved here. I'm sorry. <laughs> Way to bring up that. Jeez. All because Instagram. They didn't give me enough. They wouldn't let me use my whole name. Wait, who are your famous friends? <laughs> Karen, Karen Mooney. Do you know Karen Mooney? Oh, I've heard of her. Uh, I don't like her. She's bad. <laughs> She's trouble. She's trouble for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Karen Mooney. Okay, so how? Let's. How did you yeah. get here? Yeah, get, we're, yeah, exactly. I drove, I took the highway. No, come on, tell us <laughs> your, your background. Oh my gosh, I hate talking about myself because I feel so... Um, well, then we're on the wrong... Oh my gosh, I'm on a podcast. Let's talk about Karen. Karen, what are your feelings? Karen, uh, how did right. you get here? Yeah, how did you get here? You drove too? I did. We all drove. We have so much in common. Uh, I took 75. So we are twins, basically. We all do. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to give you the Cliff's notes. Okay. okay? Yes, please. So... I went to school for television and film. The plan was I wanted to become, this is very specific, 
and I've said this a million times, so I feel like a broken record. I specifically wanted to be the art director on MTV's The Real World. That's the job I wanted. Like, how, how, at like, least you knew what, that. That's very specific. How old am I? I'm about to be 70 next okay. year. No. You look um, good. Thank you. Yeah, I don't go in the sun a lot. I'm 43 mm. years old. Not okay. young. I'm well aware that's middle age, so I'm just using the word old as much as possible. But anyhow, this was back in the early 2000s, and I was in art school, and video and film was my thing. And people didn't really know what they wanted to do. We were in an art school near the beach, so there was a lot of people that were really into the fun because the water was right there. But I was like all business. I even came to class wearing like a vest and a tie. It was you ever see the movie Rushmore? Mm-hmm. I was him. I was like you were. I was like Jason Schwartzman's character. Like I like was all business, but wasn't very good. But uh, I just I <laughs> you kinda, looked the part. I looked the part. Yeah, um, but that's a whole nother story. But especially as I arrived today wearing blue jeans, a blue jacket, and a blue t-shirt. If you could see me now, I'm definitely a fashion disaster. It's like the Canadian tuxedo. And this is absolutely a Canadian tuxedo. But anyhow, so I've always been a very specific person. I knew that I wanted to become the art director for MTV's Real World. Mm-hmm. So when I was in school, I ended up like being way more interested in the aesthetic than the actual like directorial stuff. I was really good at writing. I was really good at set deck and really cool set, set decoration and also styling. But I didn't think there was any money in it. So I, I, I wanted to become like, I wanted to work on a TV show as an assistant, work my way up in the art department. And on the weekends when I was broke, I was so broke in college that I would fall behind on my car payments. And my best friend lived two blocks over. I would, when she went to work in the morning, I would move my car from my driveway to her house so if anybody came to like repossess it it would be hidden that's how like because i was like i was like a a starving artist design student in my early to mid-20s but anyway long story short i knew that's what i wanted to do for a living and then miraculously after a short stint working as a news producer for nbc in south florida i I moved over to working behind the scenes in the art department for these home renovation shows which were new at the time in 2002 like they weren't a thing yet like training spaces was the only one Mm. and i worked on the one that was its competitor, which is on the Discovery Channel at the time. And I kind of learned everything there. And it was bizarre because almost the identical job that I wanted, I st- my first job out in the field was almost like the baby steps to get that job. And here's the craziest thing. So after that happened, I started to do like, after I got the job working behind the scenes on the Discovery Channel, I started to like network behind the scenes with people who wanted a project done in their garage or their kids' room. And I would just make stuff up and learn how to paint, learn how, learn how to refinish furniture. So I started on the weekends dabbling with residential interior design. And I used the term very loosely. I mean, I'm talking <laughs> about like I painted a pattern on a wall. That's, that doesn't mean I'm an interior designer, but I learned stuff that way. And as things, as like word started to spread, in the industry, there was this young PA who was obsessed with interior design and decorating who also knew how to write, direct, and produce and showed up with all this energy like a little puppy dog that was excited to work all day and had the energy of the Energizer Bunny. And then people started spreading my name around. And then on the weekends, I would do people's houses. And during the week, I'd work as a PA and then the set, the set department. And then this is the craziest part. So a few years later, one of my best friends actually became one of the head producers of one of the seasons of MTV's Real World. No. 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 Isn't that crazy? Like, you know, there's that thing called the vision board people talk yeah. about. Which I don't know what that is. I don't have one. Melanie Turner believes in them. Does she? Anything Mm -hmm. she believes in, I'll sign up for. She's one of my favorites. But anyhow, I was so close to having the opportunity. And at that same time, this local TV series here that was shooting in Atlanta snatched me up to become a producer and also talent. So I stayed. Are you going to tell us the show or anything? Yeah, it's not on anymore. It was on from like two, it was on from 2003 to 2011. It was called Movie and a Makeover. And it was on, it was on Saturday. It was like a Saturday morning show Mm -hmm. and they would show a movie. And then in 
between commercial breaks, there'd be a makeover. It would either be a house or it would be fashion. We'd go back and forth. And then I just started to network from there and do the network executives and their friends' houses on the weekends here in this area at Underwood Hills. And uh, then all of a sudden, I just started to pitch my stuff to magazines. And then in 2007, my first one got published. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'm actually a decorator and not just <laughs> pretending to be one on TV. And then it just kind of skyrocketed for there. That's the cliff notes. But if those were cliff notes, those were long. They were no. long, but not bad. All riveting. <laughs> Thank you for my it's, it's like a really inter- We've had lots of unusual background stories, but it's none, none like that. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And then you've really been able to parlay yourself to fame through Instagram. Come on. Let's talk about it. The thing that's so strange to me is... For so many years, I was part of a television program that was very low profile, which I love because I'm like, you guys can't see me because we're talking on a podcast. I look like Big Bird. I'm like, I'm like nine foot seven and I've got all this hair and I have a really long wingspan with my arms and I have a lot of expression and I move around and babies don't know what to do with me because they freak them out. And I'm like hard to miss. And then I had somewhat successful TV situation for about eight years. But then all of a sudden, what I seriously, I think what changed my whole career was again, to be very specific, was Instagram stories. I started doing those back like in, in 2016. I never really did the Snapchat thing. But when I started to just do these little 15 second things, all these opportunities started to come up. And just before that, before the stories were around and it was just Instagram, I, I was trained as a writer when I was in college for film. So I've always been meticulous about my words. So my captions have always been like kind of sarcastic and funny and back and forth and self-deprecating. Self-deprecating. Yeah. I put a lot of time into them, which is ridiculous at first. And now I'm like, wow, this is actually turning into money. So I started to like, put a lot of original content in my, I would do people's houses that didn't necessarily have the biggest budgets, but if it turned into like three months worth of content for people to scroll through, I'd do it. And people thought I was crazy at the time for spending so much time on this little app, but it's turned out to be like its own agency for me. And it's really turned into amazing opportunities. Like I'm sitting here with you three famous people right now talking. That's right. <laughs> I have to say, I the level of production on your stories even is amazing. I was I was diving deep into, well, you're one of the designers and I guess, what did you say, co-host of Dream Home and Urban Oasis on yeah, HGTV? Yeah, HGTV Dream Home and HGTV Urban Oasis. So I'm the designer on both and then I'm the host of HGTV Urban Oasis and then co host of HGTV Dream Home, which is, which is, it's a really big thing. So there, it's long and it's like, it's an hour long and it's a big deal. So there's, there's somebody actually hosting the show and then there's myself hosting like the design segments. Right. Wow. We well, really are so similar. Yeah. <laughs> we have the same job basically. <laughs> Pretty much. I, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the stories of, you have like obviously the little highlights and I was going through them and like the stories are like in and of themselves, almost like a TV show, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, you put so much production value and, like, the playlist is amazing. I really want you to follow you on Spotify, by the way. <laughs> Ooh, that is um, I'm doing that now. And you introduce, like, all of the people that are, like, you're like, this is... You know, a designer my, or an artist. Yeah, or people, like my production. This, part, this all, is a part of my team. Yeah. yeah, you introduce all the members of your team, and you have like it looks so pretty, and you walk mm-hmm. through the space, and you show the challenges and the successes, and I don't know. I think your stories are almost like little mini television episodes if you go through. So it's I mean you have so many to choose from. So it's nice to hear somebody say that because 
those are my favorite DMs that I get from people where, especially people who I know in real life. And, and they're like, the thing that I love about watching, like my friend Heather is a comedian. And one of the things that she said when we had, we had dinner a few, few months ago in New York, she's like, whatever you're doing, when you put those together, just, I want to watch them because the way that they're, the way that you lay them out is beautiful. It's like, you're not watching something random. You're watching a story with a, with a, with a, a beginning and an end, but they're, they, it's over yeah. in like nine slides. And what I started to do is realize like my background as a television producer, I'm not good at just randomly putting something out there there has to be like a be there has to be an arc like a storytelling there has to be right. a, a beginning a middle and an end and i always want there to be something to take away that's not like it's not just about me doing selfies it's basically showing all the bad stuff that happens like nine times out of ten uh, the, the when i'm working in interior design something goes wrong like right. like the sofa doesn't show up or the paint doesn't dry or all of a sudden a raccoon walks through the room with <laughs> cement on its feet on a you know a ten thousand dollar rug i want to show that like i don't want to see like the beautiful <laughs> perfect stuff because like perfect is boring and it's nice to hear you say that you find them to be entertaining and almost like TV episodes because my attention span is the thing that's interesting about my brain is my attention span is remarkably short, but I'm very good at accomplishing anything I want to do. So I, I'm random. I speak in non sequiturs, but I finish everything I'm doing. And one of the things to me that's super cathartic is to sit at the end of the day. I don't I don't like to do Instagram stories live as I'm actually doing my day because I want to actually socialize with people. Mm -hmm. I have my phone out a lot. And I try not to be that guy. So when I go out to lunch, my phone will be upside down. But when I'm in a setting, you'll find me escaping to get wide shots and stuff like a director of photography would. And then some things I can cut like you would a TV show together for Instagram stories. But what I do, because I don't want to be social, socially awkward or be that guy that's always on his phone is I usually gather like my stories during the day and I save them. And then at night after like I've already checked my email and I've taken a shower and I'm actually sitting down, then I'll do them. Because I don't want to, what I don't want to do is become one of those people who no longer knows how to socialize with people in person and only yeah. knows how to socialize on social media because that's not real. But thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And then my favorite story out of all the ones, and I also want to talk about the playlist thing. I'm not, not cutting you off, Taryn. Taryn was about to say something and I put my finger in the air and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I think she was actually just breathing and I put my finger up. I opened my mouth. I'm sorry. She yeah. has a cold. Poor She's thing. trying to breathe, and I'm like, "This is my podcast." Like, I mean, stop talking. Just, there's only enough oxygen in this room. Anyhow, uh, so the two parts that I was going to say. So my favorite story that I've ever done. I love things that happen that that just you can't control. So we were working on a project in Dallas in January, and my my lead photographer and I were there shooting a house that a friend of mine did, and we were editorializing it by styling it and, and, and framing it up for camera. And we were in Dallas, and we had ran into Whole Foods, and we came out, and there are so many of the same black pickup trucks there. Like everybody has like a black or white or gray pickup truck because it's just, it's Dallas. And people have people drive pickup trucks. And I, that's like my favorite <laughs> thing to drive because I'm, I'm seven, like seven feet tall. So a pickup truck fits my stature. We got out of the car, we went shopping, we came back and we loaded up the car and the key wasn't working. And we're like, this is <gasps> so frustrating. Yes. And it was like almost 11 o'clock at night before they closed way out. And like, we're in a land we don't know. And we, we, Total, we had like, we probably had like eight or nine bags and some things were heavy. And we're like, we are in somebody else's car, like straight up. Like if they walk up right now, we're going to look like we're stealing their car. Well, plus, so, you know, they got guns there. I didn't want to say it, but yes, <laughs> these people, gun. they own like homesteads. You have to, like yeah. you have this large and pieces of land. And you can walk around with it. Yeah, because mm -hmm. you, you're on a homestead and a ranch and, you know, you need security. So that was fun. The other thing is uh, that music has just become music has always been such a huge part of my world that now that we can share things like playlists, I just started to do it because I don't listen to the radio ever. And I always thought that I had weird musical taste. And then about a year and a half ago, when we started to get the music option, I started to play 
this artist that nobody who followed me had heard of named Casey Musgraves and people were writing me back and they're like, this is some of the coolest music I've ever heard. And then the next, you know, she like swept the Grammys and now she's like this massive megastar. Mm -hmm. And so what's been good is- you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. No, I think there was not successful for her music. Thing, you know? <laughs> no, but the reason I'm bringing it up is a huge part of my um, interior design world. This, this is also very specific. It has to do with album covers. Like, I love oh. album covers and how simple they have to be, and how there's always a color palette, and how there's a font, and how there's a mood, and how you're putting across the brand of the person's sound. And a lot of the work that I've done, like in the past year and a half, has all been very uh, packed with blues and oranges. And I start to realize this because that's what the cover of her album Golden Hour looks like. So I was bringing that back. What I was trying to do here was bring it back to your story, you talking yeah. about the, like my highlights. But the playlists I'm starting to share because it's music that people haven't heard of yet. And I think that that's something people want to hear because it's not the same stuff you've heard a million times. Your music choices are amazing. Seriously. My favorite Hello. story that I went <clears throat> deep and rewind was that whole wedding shoot. Oh my god. Okay, yes, you may, oh, yeah. you may also know. And I ate it again. <laughs> and then I went back and I did it again. Thank you for watching that. That's my that's probably that's probably the most personal thing. I just I've never been a wedding person. Like I just don't like formality. I don't like fussiness. I don't like seating assignments. As an interior designer, I like making decisions that last forever. What I'm really bad at, so one of my friends, Amy Osaba, she did my actual wedding reception because I couldn't get myself to tackle the temporary stuff. Because with interior design, it stays forever. With with event design, it's it's temporary. And I just don't understand that world. So Amy Osaba did my wedding reception. But so that we had photographed. I'm going to roll that out pretty soon on my Instagram yes. stories. The, that, that reception turned out. She did all the, Dessert. she basically did a whole Antarctic look in, at my house in, in Buckhead. But I love that other people saw the Antarctic wedding and were like, that's magical. Because that to me, it was, it was of course it was Gorgeous. cold to Antarctica, but I just thought it was special. And it was almost like being on another planet. There's something about that blue ice you know what I mean? All over. It's, it's the really colors. Yeah. Oh. You never see anything that blue like in real life. That's something you see like on TV or in cartoons. And everywhere you look yeah. in Antarctica, it's that true blue and a pure shade of white. It's actually a very romantic place. You're going to die, most likely, if you if you like are not with a, a scientist. <laughs> you're not with a scientist. <laughs> yeah. Romance. So you really have, have to respect. Oh, I've only been to Antarctica once, okay. um, but we went for we were there for eight days. Uh, but that whole trip, I so turned, you hadn't scoped it out. Absolutely not. You were just like, "Hey, this is it, man. We're all in. We're all in." Can we talk about your other Arctic experience? Yeah, your house in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's my happy place forever. Man. Okay, it's, it's, it's awesome. A quick, easy weekend getaway. <laughs> <laughs> a quick, easy weekend getaway. That's I don't know, eighty-seven hundred miles yeah. away, three flights up near the Arctic Circle. No big deal. <laughs> It's not a big deal. Okay, what was the reasoning behind Iceland, and how would you describe your, I guess, apartment, condo? What what do we call that? House? I think I think they say flat. Flat. I think. There you go. That I think that's just cute. like an overall European term because it's. A, I own the top floor of a historic row house, so I think it, I think I would refer to it flat. as a flat. Uh, so I went there in 2015 with my two main photographers and my art director, who's one of my best. There are these people are all best friends and family to me, and my significant other. And we had like our most epic year in 2015 because that's when I got these incredible giveaway home projects for the network. And they're so high profile and they're well-funded and they're beautifully executed. And they're, they're just really high production value that my team worked so hard for years, like designing homes on, on budgets and working with, working with you know, regular people or designing sets. And here we had just accomplished like this really awesome project um, in mm-hmm. Florida. And I realized I want to do something totally out of the norm. So nobody had been to Iceland before. And because everybody's so visual, I was like, this would be a dream for my photographer friends and my art director for just the colors and patterns. So I went ahead and took us all there, like all expenses paid. And I remember about 
an hour or so before we headed back to the airport, I was like, there's this weird feeling that I have here. Like, this feels right to me. Like, it's safe. It's quiet. Like, I never have to lock my door. Like, it's so inspiring as an interior designer because the architecture is super simple, but the landscape is super complicated and complex. The people are the most intelligent people I've ever seen in my life. Everybody is speak so many languages. They read books for fun. Like everybody's super industrious. They know how to like hunt their own food. I was just really blown away by the culture and how simple and easy everyone was in these harsh weather conditions. However, the other thing was the, the idea of being in a place where you can be outdoors 24 seven in the summertime because the sun never sets as a boy from Florida, who being outside in the summer was a nightmare because it's just, you get in South Florida, we have the humidity and the bugs and it was so different. And like, also we saw the Northern Lights the second night we were there. And I'm like, this place is so magical. Like, I can't imagine not being here. So we just threw caution to the wind and I had busted like all through my thirties. I hustled, I saved cause I hustled like crazy. I was always working, trying to create a name for myself. And I was like, this would be really cool to one day, like when we finally wind down, have like a place to escape to that's not in the States. So we bought this really tiny place on the top floor and I don't know how it happened, but even even the, the, our renovation we, uh, on HGTV, you know the show, you know the show H, um, House Hunters International. Mm-hmm. We bought our house on House Hunters International. No, no I love yeah. that. Oh you my god, that? that's hilarious. So we did it. We had so we had this whole crew up in our in our grill, and it was great because it was like six days with people who were fun and passionate. They'd never been a, two had been to Iceland before, but the producers were like, "This place, I see why you came here. Like every single thing is photo is camera friendly." Wait, hi. You- New in advance, though. I mean, that show, you know what you're getting before. You don't really choose on the show, right? With House Hunters? It, well, it actually depends on the people. It depends, like in, oh. our, in our case, in our case, we did actually look at two contenders that they, they'd found for us that I really would have considered buying. So I think it all depends on the couple and where oh, it is. Okay. But um, there were two other properties that we went and looked at. And one of them was a freestanding house in the same price range. But the only thing was, uh, it was kind of basic. Whereas ours had like, it was, it, was a, it was a converted attic and it had a view of the ocean. The other one was flat with no view. But I think it depends on the episode. I think, and also if you think about it, if any of us are going to go house hunting in real life like you go and you house hunt for months can you imagine how much it would cost to have a camera with people for six and a half months going to look at a house they're not even going to buy so i think it's i think it's treated on a case-to-case basis ours was totally fun and um the renovation i couldn't believe it like the renovation went perfectly and he finished he finished ahead of schedule didn't finish on budget because we were we were in another country and things are double the price but I mean, the house got done on time and we ended up spending Christmas in it. And it was in Atlanta Homes and Lifestyles. And then we got it's the cover of House Beautiful, too. I never thought that was going to happen. Have you guys ever been on a cover shoot before? No. But, well, you're <laughs> well, catalog like covers. <laughs> yeah, you catalog yeah. covers, right? <laughs> yeah. I had no idea when I was styling that room. Like, I didn't even think my styling was up. To, I, 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 I thought those were, I thought what I was doing was sending them scouting images. And it turns out that um, I went to meet the editor at the time and she handed me the thing and I thought it was a mock-up and it was the magazine and there was our house on the cover. And I and it, I thought we might get a page. We had like 12 pages in it. And I, I think I cried for like two days because I'm self-taught. <laughs> and I'm like, how, I felt like, I felt like Millie Vanilli when they got their Grammy taken away. Like, oh yeah, you pretended to sing the song, but you didn't really sing the song, dude. But I was like, is somebody gonna come and say, hey, you're not formally trained, you don't deserve this cover. But Wow, I am really talking about myself a lot. That's why you're here. Well, it was gorgeous. I mean, and the thing I think that's so interesting about your work is you have such a, like, trademark look. What is it, though? I can't describe it. Oh, she's going to do it. But I feel like every project you do is, like, so different. Thank you. So it's like range is not to cut you up, but range is so important to me. And I think it's because of my film background. Like when you're working with like a Wes Anderson or a person, you want they want to have a trademark look. 
but you don't want to see the same thing again and again. Right. And I love having a trademark look, but I don't use the same colors. I don't use the same furniture style. I want everyone to stand on its own. And a lot of my designer friends who I love so much and respect have a very trademark style. And you could tell in a minute that they did the room. I don't know that you can necessarily tell that with my rooms, or can you? No, I don't think so. Right? But, but when I see, when like you look at your Instagram all together, you know, and yeah. they're all mixed up in, I can definitely see like, definitely like contrast, um, like masculine mm -hmm. patterns. But you it's know, like undertoned but, masculinity that you're that like, why? Term. Why yeah. is it, why does this room look masculine? And you have to like, you have to dig in. You have yeah. to literally like, I know it's slightly, cause like, again, I feel like people, we're always searching for like, other than a leather pillow and an <laughs> ugly leather sofa. Like, how can you make this room comfortable yeah. for everyone? No, I feel like yours is definitely that. And you do. You have such a variety that there's interest. Mm -hmm. You want you want more. You want to see more of your work. It's not like, okay, I've seen his work. Yeah. It's well, do you have any kind of tips for making a room comfortable if we live with a man? I live with a man, actually. I know. I'm, see, um, that's I'm actually married to one. So, yeah, I can answer this question. For, yeah, I can answer the question. This is wonderful. It's working out great. Uh, well, my friend, I, I don't remember who it was, but a friend of mine coined the term. Is that, is that how you say yes. it? Coined the term. She referred to my work as soft masculine. And I was like, that is so good. Because like, I love Buffalo Check. I love Pinstripe. I love just classic patterns that never go out of style. I love mid-century lighting. I also love classic lighting. But when it comes to furniture, the the thirty the early 30-something in me was like not about comfort. I, I wanted like really good lines. I never sat on my furniture. I'd have this beautiful sofa. And anytime you come over, you find me on the floor sitting on a pillow. I'm like, I don't want to sit on my furniture. Furniture is art. But now in my 40s, like <laughs> the most important thing to me is being able to be messy. Like everybody I know who's like super successful and has their stuff together, like in real life, there's a little bit of mess in there. And when I say mess, there's like a few piles of things or they happen to have a sofa that's never totally made up. My bed is never made. But I think when it comes to like the way that I choose things is I like anything that could still look well done when it's a little bit messed up. Does that, is that a good, is mm -hmm. that an, even an no. answer? Is that a thing? It is. Now that I just want sense. hard answers so I can do it in my house. Yeah, how do we copy that? Like, like, give us an example. Like a couch. What's a couch that would look like non-symmetrical pillows, or like that's tight a thing. Back cushions. So I, you know, I've noticed on my, I have like two interior designer friends. One of them, one here here in Atlanta. That's a big signature trademark for him when he does things. He does this asymmetrical play on pillows, and I absolutely love it. So it looks actually it's very Kelly Worsler's too. I think in my world, what I do is I try to for every like five things that are that are expected to go together i want there to be like one thing that's not supposed to go with those things almost to the mm -hmm. point where if you did it wrong it would be like what a mistake you're a loser you're never gonna work again mm -hmm. or if you do it right people are like look at this genius let's give him five million dollars <laughs> so what i like to do is for everything that that, that we're curating and making look uh, i'm using air quotes here everybody who's listening perfect i think there should be something to throw it off so for example mm -hmm. let's say in a dining room we have the, say we have like these absolutely beautiful, like the chairs we're sitting on now, which are these beautiful um, slipper chairs. I would want something in, in the world of the art of that room that you would never pair with the chairs. So example, for example, I'm just making this up. It might be a huge eight by eight painting of the Cocoa Puffs box, mm -hmm. like something that's like playful and unexpected to go with that. Mm -hmm. I just love this constant like visual tension of serious and not serious. And I think a lot of times the masculinity comes in with just two or three things in the room like whether it's 
resin antlers or when it comes to antlers, I'm always really, really um, um, careful because some, you know, for animal rights and stuff. But did you know that there's a lot of, because I did a project last year in Montana. Do you know there's a lot of animals that actually shed their antlers every oh, yes, year? yes, I do. Know yeah, that. I learned that in Montana. So like I stopped using antlers for a while because I'm like, I don't want people going and just taking these antlers. But no, like these animals. So I found there are people who specifically sell shed antlers or I love resin antlers like you guys sell. But anyhow, I always try to bring in one or two touches of masculinity that just make everything applicable to both, like to all genders. Because mm-hmm. I love the, mm-hmm. I love things with feminine lines. I love things with masculine lines. I love things with, you know, in the middle. And I think that's kind of maybe kind of how I design. Yeah. Is a feminine line a curvy line? I think so. Okay. I think a feminine li- line is a curvy line or something that's very pronounced and not as rigid. I think maybe I'm mm-hmm. implying that I'm a man and I'm rigid by saying mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Or I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I guess I am kind of rigid. It's my way or the highway. <laughs> 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 All right, dream collaboration. Who would it be with? Ooh. Tina Fey. <gasps> okay, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you her. get that, I would. I will pay you to bring me along with you. I'll just. I can do whatever. I'll carry your phone around. I will be. If that was ever to happen. By, by the way, one of my all-time favorite interior designers, like legends, is Tom Felicia, and I believe he actually did Tina <laughs> Fey's house because she did like a forward in his book. So, oh, and wow. I think the world of him, and I love his aesthetic. And if you look at the similarities in a lot of his spaces to mine, you could tell that like I kind of idolize his work. Uh, but I have. I've been asked that question before, and there's just something about. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph, which is this trio of these remarkably intelligent women who have done everything themselves. They are business people. They're hysterical. They're writers. They're performers. They're always, they get these incredible endorsements. Mothers, Mothers, Mm -hmm. wives, they they do it all. And there's something to me, especially now that we're in this like really big age of feminism, there's something about me, the women that do it all. It's like, my mom did it too. I mean, she raised all four of us. And at the same time, when it was time to go back to work, she went back to work, which she spent years raising us, which was a which is a thankless job. And not to mention like having 10 full-time jobs. So my answer would probably be Tina Fey, somebody who's really funny, super successful, has done it all themselves, is behind the scenes in front of the camera, can just be behind the scenes, can just be in front of the camera, probably makes split decisions quickly. And somebody who's just funny and funny and smart to me is the most amazing combination. No matter genetically, like what you look like, if you're funny and smart, you're immediately attractive. Mm-hmm. Right. Am I right, ladies? You yeah. are right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. The other thing you do a lot, which I think is so amazing, and I don't know, you make everything look very luxe, but you are the master of high-low. Yes. You use Ikea. You use, like, any and every brand, but it always looks so rich. Even Good. if the items are, Thank you. Because you know, now that I've gone to a place in my career, even, I've like, I've been really smart, like, financially with investments and stuff like that, but even... When I'm doing people's houses, I always try to think about how I think, how I spend money. And I don't, even if the client has a large budget or say there's somebody who I I like, let's say that their income is public and you could tell how much they make. I still know not everybody is comfortable with a $2,000 dining chair. I personally am comfortable with a 2000 dining chair because I'll buy that dining chair once and I will keep it forever. And to me in a dining room, you don't have many elements. The chair's basically the chairs and the lighting are the stars and the rug. So what I usually do is I spend I spend a good amount of money to get that look. I usually spend a lot of money on art. So I'll do original art, especially like here in Atlanta. Like, do you guys know Sally King Benedict? Yes. Oh, my artist friends. So like, good. If I have a really high dollar budget for art, then I want to spend it with them. If I don't, I still want to ask them and give them the first right of art. Like say it's not making a lot of money, but they know it'll be good because it'll get photographed or something like that. I spend a good amount of money on art and I spend and I, I spend a lot of money on art and I spend a lot of money on window treatments. What I usually find is that a piece of furniture, like an actual sofa, 
I like to keep it somewhat neutral. I don't usually go with a statement sofa. I like something that's classic that you can change up as much as you want. Even 10 years from now, you can reupholster it, but it's just going to have classic lines. Mm -hmm. But I think the reason that this whole high-low thing is deceptive, and thank you for saying that, because I put a lot of pride in having a wide range so I don't do the same thing again and again. And that's my TV producer background is like, Mm -hmm. I'm always thinking of audience, which I shouldn't as an interior designer because my audience is my client. But I'm also making sure that 10 years from now, I wasn't a one-trick pony. So the high-low thing, I always, even if you end up doing flea market art for $300, I think when you put something on the walls, it's unusual that nobody else has. You can pair it with a really pedestrian coffee table or dining table that everybody has. You don't, you no longer notice the $300 dining table, but you notice a beautiful piece of art and you might notice a really nice rug. Or I'm a huge dining chair person. I might go with a really, really standard, simple, like farmhouse table that I find at a flea market for $200 and then invest in really beautiful sculptural dining room chairs and a kick-ass like light fixture. And then maybe just do no art on the walls. But I think a lot of it comes to something in the room being basic or simple. Mm-hmm having one or two things that look so elevated that they bring everything up with it. So I do feel like you can run to a big box store and buy a $400 comfortable sofa that you don't plan on having for 15 years, but you hang like a piece of Sally King Benedict artwork above it. And all of a sudden that room looks looks like it costs $50,000. Am I right, ladies? Yeah. A $400 sofa? A $4,000 sofa? A $4 sofa is going to fall apart. Yeah, where does that come from? Where does one buy a $400 sofa? We we don't believe in that here. All right, so here's the deal. (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of a $400 sofa. I have had $400 sofas when I was, you know, a wee decorator in my twenties. Uh, there is one particular sofa from a big box store that I'm a fan of that is that is probably in the $407 range. And I think what I think is great about it is if you're somebody who's getting your first apartment, yeah. um, and you know that you eventually want, like, I think like a good a real sofa, a, a good one would be between $2,500 and $7,000. Like, I I would by no means think twice about buying a $5,000 sofa. Would we all agree that's probably, that's a good sofa. That's a a good price. It's not crazy expensive. And it's the most important thing in your living room. Mm -hmm. But if you are somebody that is like definitely on a budget, there is this one particular sofa that if you get it in pure white, which means you can't have children, you can't drink anything but water, can't wear shoes. (laughs) Oh, yes, Uh, yes, that person. That that person who does not exist. Uh, There's this one particular sofa that's even in, if you go to my Instagram right now and you look at the black bedroom that has the potato sacks on the wall, um, that I'm going go ahead right and take now. a look. That white sofa is actually a four hundred fifty dollars sofa from IKEA. I will not like to say where it's from because I'm really private about that stuff. Except I'm not private at all. My whole life is on Instagram, uh, okay. but it could possibly be from there. Maybe okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, no, you're right. Like if you're, you may not have the budget for a great, well-made sofa. Can we also talk about your house? In Buckhead, which I don't... Okay, I haven't been able to find, like, full after shot. In Buckhead? Yes, but I loved your Instagram story where the old, little old lady came to visit. Oh, you watched that? That was a it cute was so day. cute. So my main Explain. house that I have that I spent... And I'm not even exaggerating. Hollis, Hollis um, so my significant other, works in the wardrobe world. So he... He is a wardrobe stylist for TV and film. And right now he's working mostly on, on things that are like superhero based. So it's like every kid, like children are obsessed with Hollis because like the, what you, like you ask it like a regular, you know, a regular casual dad who's a, who's a lawyer or, or an accountant, what he did for the day and the kid's falling asleep, you know, two seconds later. Meanwhile, they're like, what'd you work on today, Hollis? And then he'll answer and he'd be like, well, we, you know, we, we had to put together this cape and we put it on this actress and then we had this person flying and then we had to make this person all muddy and look like they were being chased by a monster. And like kids are like, tell us more. And meanwhile, I'm in the corner like, I'm a decorator. I can tell you about the thread count. I'm not interested. But our house in Buckhead, the thing that really sucks for me is because I do so much work travel. The other day, one of my friends in Texas asked, she she had said, Hollis and I were with her and she had said, where exactly do you guys live? 
And she she has a magazine right now. My, my place in the mountains is actually in her magazine. And we were trying to answer it. And my answer was um, Airbnbs. Because like seven months of the year, I'm traveling for these get the big houses that I'm working on in, the, in two different cities per year. And I don't get enough time to spend here in Buckhead. But what I love about my house in Buckhead is like I'm there so little that when I am, it's a very it's a very pared back house. It's very minimal. Everything is white and black. We've replaced, it's a mid-century modern ranch and the whole exterior is black. All, we've been replacing all the windows with those steel windows that everybody does here in Atlanta. And it's just a very casual, like sexy, laid back, like understated home. There's not a lot of color in it, but that I'm really hoping that once we finish that house, we haven't even touched the bottom floor yet, but we hosted Thanksgiving there. We had our wedding reception there, but now that we're getting close to actually truly renovating the bottom floor, I'm really hoping that that will be one of the projects that finally gets published in like one, like something big, like a house beautiful, because it's a really different, unique, asymmetrical home. Mm-hmm. I just wish I spent more than forty-seven nights a year there. That's the only. That's why it looks good. Because I'm well, never there. Sell your place in Iceland, and then you can. No, no way. way. No way. Retiring there. Wait, yeah. which house was in Magnolia Home this month? Magnolia Journal. So we have a weekend escape place in LJ. Do you guys know the North Georgia Mountains? Mm-hmm. So the the like the creative director for the brand had had reached out and said that that he and and Joanna were interested in in um exploring to see like if, if any of my projects were fit for this Joanna Gaines yeah yeah for those and, of you who don't know Magnolia Journal yeah and I actually have a lot of friends named Joanna believe it or not and, and <laughs> at one and uh it's that age it's like well, Karen only people that are my age are named Karen. You're like 30. Truth. Right. Isn't that weird? It's a lot of 30 year olds are naked. You and I are both turning 31 <laughs> next year, by the way. Happy birthday. Can't wait to be in my Let's mid-30s. Have a party. I feel like that was 20 years ago. So they 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 wanted to like see if there was anything that I had out there that fit like the brand and the vibe. And so I I had already had that. That was one of the first houses I ever had published. It was years ago. It was in country living, but that I had not done like the, my entire bottom floor like was has been completely redone because of water damage. Oh. So Robert, who's my main photographer and I, were about to shoot it because nobody had seen it. And it was to me, it was new content. So I happened to send those along and it was exactly what they were looking for. So it was pretty, it was a really big compliment because like that magazine, I've been getting it since it came out and they've never really covered interior designers in it before. So the fact that now that there's a whole new thing called Designer Spotlight and actually you have a designer running the magazine who's, who's showcasing other designers, that just very much fits my philosophy. Like I love taking any platform I have and using it to showcase other people who don't have the platform yet. Because I just think mm-hmm. that like the interior design industry as a general, like in general, everybody needs to support each other because there's enough work for all of us. We don't have to compete with each other. But uh, yeah. th- this house ended up being a little bit more on the colorless side. Like there's a lot of dark colors. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of blacks and grays and whites. And it's very casual and it's definitely more, more like in the rural setting. And the next thing you know, like, and I think it's a, it's, it's a six or an eight page spread. And I'm really proud of the way it came out. Not to mention the paper stock in that magazine. Have you opened it yet? That magazine is beautiful. It is nicely done. That paper is worth it's, touching. It's worth like paying extra for. Cause it's <laughs> like, it's not that flimsy paper. It's like beautiful, thick matte paper. Oh, you know, when you want to touch paper. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm, when you got the paper mm-hmm. touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Taryn's also a painter. So she likes to do watercolor. So paper is one of her. I do. Passions. I do appreciate a paper. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause that's watercolor is all about the paper. How does it's all about the water. Paper. Thank you. I'll tell you that. That's all I know. (laughs) So yes, LJ, it's an hour and a half away. Every time that I'm home for more than like a week or two, I try to mix it up so that we can go there for the weekend. (laughs) So in your 45 days that you're home, quote unquote, 46, I apologize. Um, Within those, if they're consecutive enough, you go north. 
Thank you for asking. What I will do is if Hollis ends up having really long work days where he's like out, so seriously, there's days where, cause it's, it's, it's basically working in film. So if he leaves the house at three 30, that it's very likely he might not even be home to like nine 30. So the time we spend together is not quality time. Cause it's more like shifts passing at night. I'm exhausted. I don't want to talk or I'm checking my email. So what I'll do is if that's the time we're going to have I'll escape for three or four nights to the mountains, either by myself or with him and with our dog and just open all the doors and windows, watch the leaves change. Like the temperature is 10 degrees cooler up there mm-hmm. there's like it's just so quiet and the view is sick and then my neighbors are absolutely lovely but i feel when i used to live in la i made myself a promise i moved there for three years and i had said when i got there i was going to hustle and work really hard and save every penny because i loved la like i would have loved to have bought a place there but i just didn't think it seemed feasible because you know millions and millions of dollars in the earthquakes and stuff and the insurance so i was like it would be incredible if, if i could work really hard and find a way to have a lifestyle back in georgia where we have a house in the city and then we escape to the north georgia mountains and we did it. We came, we, 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 we put that out there. And then three years later we started looking and we found the perfect place. And then we just remodeled it right away. And it's been like our happy place ever since. The You've only had thing, it a while. Yeah. I've had yeah. it for six years. The only thing that really sucks about owning a house in the mountains is the maintenance because carpenter bees, it's there. They live in the woods. The wood is theirs. So my house is made of wood, which you're familiar with wood and trees. Yeah. Well, we all know trees <laughs> and houses. I've heard wood. About that. Yeah. Wood, <laughs> homes made of wood. So uh, the bees look at my house as a huge tree. And so they eat the hell out of it every year. So I have to spend, I would say like $1,200 to $2,400 a year and having somebody come and patch everything up and fill the holes. And it's a pain, but it's worth it but because there's something it about being in nature. just being one big patch? Eventually. I mean, if I let them do it for like 78 years, they'll probably just crumble. But I'm like a fan of having a, a standard So there's no treatment one can do. <laughs> so there's because a treatment. Because I have them back. I have them in my yard. You know, they attack my deck and all that stuff. So I'm curious. Is there a way to... Supposedly, what, when we painted the house black... I thought that we were doing ourselves a favor because the wood was no longer, the raw wood was no longer exposed to the carpenter bees. But it turns out what you're supposed to do is buy this chemical solution that goes into the paint that then actually, as a reactor, it makes it, it repels the bees to not want to eat your house. I unfortunately did not use that mixture when I had the house painted. So for some reason, my house seems to attract them more than others. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because everything on the exterior is made of wood. I've asked so many friends, I have the service. It does end up kind of cutting down on how much damage they do. But mm-hmm. every year, especially because my house is black, when they eat into it, they expose all the brown wood mm-hmm. so, yeah. or the yellow woods. It sucks. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, $2,000 a year to be up here and like sure. my anxiety goes down and I just look at the beautiful, all the beautiful surroundings. That's your vacation. Yeah. It's like a built-in vacation every week. It's your health. Do you have any other properties you need to disclose? Yeah. So have you heard of... Um, yeah. The, the Biltmore. Con- have you heard of the... Uh, the, the uh, um, continent Australia? <laughs> no, no. I think, I think we're good on properties for now. The other thing is, I, I always, as a, I was raised in a real estate family. I was a real estate broker and real estate, uh, uh, real estate broker and a real estate appraiser. So I always knew that when I became a real grown up, that I wanted to get into the real estate game. So the idea of buying a place on a cul-de-sac in a really family friendly area in Buckhead was a, a, a long term move from an investment standpoint. Mm-hmm. Buying in one of the hottest real estate markets in Europe right now before it blew up was in, in a way where now Reykjavik is like a hot spot and people are there all the time. And then the Kardashians also, were there. I watched that from a hotel room in Ann Arbor, <laughs> Michigan. I was working on a house in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Everybody kept saying the Kardashians are going to on the next episode. They're going to Iceland. And I watched it. And I, my eyes dropped. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's the restaurant I go to. That's where it, it cause it's such a the country is so small. But yeah. uh I, I look at the the all, having the three homes also as really smart real estate investments because the one in LJ, I mean, people always want to escape to that area. Yeah. It's it's just growing. Mm-hmm. The downtown has been completely rework, reworked. I think that LJ is pretty soon gonna become almost as populated as Blue Ridge, but uh 
I don't know why I keep talking about my house. Maybe it's is it on Airbnb? Just asking for, for a friend. friend. Absolutely not. I am terrified. I stay at Airbnbs left and right. But I, I, the idea of having somebody else like stay in my home right now freaks me out because so, everything is so personal. So who That's is it? What What is happening in your Iceland flat when you're not there? It's just so there? because I'm such a huge fan of that country and like the people and their culture that usually when when a friend, like an actual friend or like a friend of a friend, like <laughs> not asks, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> an actual this room, friend. <laughs> Basically, I have to know your social security number and your pin code if you want to say I'll share that. Uh, I can say your place in Iceland. <laughs> you're always like, steal my identity. Here's my phone number. Worth um, it. So you will, you'll have friends go and stay there. Yeah, it's yeah. small and it's quaint. And we have this incredible view of the Atlantic Ocean and it's right smack in the city center. So everything's within like a five to 10 minute walking awesome. situation. And and it's just such a classic, small, like Nordic home that if I have a friend that's reaching out and say it's going to be a couple and like a small child and like, would you, what's your, and somebody I know really well, and they're like, what's your favorite hotel? And I'll be like, well, are you comfortable walking up three flights of stairs? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, are you good with paying for a cleaning fee? And then I will, I also want friends to experience Iceland, like almost like a local. Mm -hmm. So I would say we're there in May and we're there in August and for a good amount of September, then we go back for the holidays. But, and then when we're not there, usually my, I have a lot of photographer friends because Icelandic is, Iceland is just such a huge hotspot for photographers. A lot of my photographer friends will go stay there. And, uh, and it makes me happy because we bought it so people could enjoy the country. But I don't have any plans on turning it into an, a rental anytime soon. I would consider it like more as a long-term rental because being there in the winter is not the best because from December until the end of February, there's only three hours of daylight, which is just, yeah. it's Oof. impractical. Wow. It's beautiful, but it's just, I mean, it's it's totally blanketed is it in snow. It is because yeah. the sun the sun never comes out. I mean, everything is blanketed in white. The sky is blanketed in white and it's snowing and it's stunning. And it's not super cold. It's in the 30s or the 20s. It's like New York. It's not It's not right. Greenland. Where I Every summer I go to Greenland too. Greenland is freaking cold, but it's negative. But uh, Iceland is like in the tw 20s, but I... I, I enjoy being there during the warmer months, especially because the sun doesn't set in the summer. And there's something about like never having to go home and just being outside hiking all day. It's just really good That's for your awesome. brain. So what do we have to look forward to in the 2020 Dream Homes and Urban Oasis? Well, Anything? HGTV Dream Home 2020 actually launches. I love launches... the way it's like got that title that you have down. You like that? Yeah. Okay. HGV, HGTV Dream, Dream Home, Home yeah. 2020. Uh -huh. okay. Yeah, it's it. That's the that's the whole thing. Because it's like there there are there's like basic terms like oh one time I want to live in that dream house. That's my dream apartment. That's my dream home. But then there's the HGTV Dream Home, which is very specific. 2020. Uh, this is in on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, and it all rolls out this month. So the finished house, I think actually tomorrow's press day for me. So I think that in the next week all of the completed house and all the images and all the videos will be live. And then uh, the TV special airs on at eight o'clock on New Year's Day. It is a classic low country cottage on Hilton Head Island. And it is packed with like a bunch of color, no cliches. Like I didn't want, I didn't want to do any like beach or coastal cliche. So you're not mm -hmm. gonna see like a beach sign, but there's a ton of texture and like material in there. That's definitely low country. Like we've definitely used the tabby, which is the crust oyster shells. Oh, we yeah. have the, uh, what's that wood? Pecky Pecky Cypress. Cypress. Yeah, I figured you guys are Southern, you know what I, Yeah, Pecky Cypress, we worked into the house. And so cool. there's a lot of color inside and out, and the property is absolutely stunning. And it is by far my favorite yard I've ever worked on in my entire career. The Ooh. backyard is so sick because it's right it's right on the marsh. Is this the black mm. pool? Yeah, I had the yeah, I showed that in my stories. Yeah. So the pool, it's one of those perfectly <laughs> rectangular pools, and the, the liner is all black. By the time that you like pour the water in, it becomes reflective and it works like a mirror. So the house itself is very coastal, very casual, but the backyard 
we have these incredible like three foot by three foot two foot by two foot pavers and the faux the faux lawn in between and it's super ad like that's what i love about the back of this house and when you see it it just it's like a new twist on low country it's definitely classic but it's it's not the same thing you've seen a million times And and we can win it can we win it yeah, you can you can enter to win up to two times a day. I think that I think it's I think that the entries start this year on January first, and they last yes. for about six weeks. But how many people enter? Uh, there's there are a, a lot. A very high. My mom does millions. it every year and makes us all do it. She Thank says, you for doing that. She does. She's like, did you win today? We gotta win every year. Oh, she's like my that's my person. I need her. That's how Wait, I keep my job because of her. Like she people is. that sign up to win that that's what I need you to do. She does, and I do too because I obviously want to win. So how do I win? Wait, so we yeah, do it every day. Yeah, where do we sign up? Every day. So you had to. She does it every day. Yeah, she, my mom does it every day. That literally, that most people do. Yeah, because I mean, the idea of winning you like can a two or three win a house and two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a car. Uh, you go to hgtv.com backslash dreamhome or or hgtv.com backslash hgtv dreamhome. It depends on what package you're looking at. But when it goes live, there's all the videos, all the editorial. We shoot the whole house just like you shoot a magazine. It all gets out there, and uh, you win the house, you win a check for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you win a car. And uh, the, the thing that's really great about that job is like. When you're working for an actual client, like a person, you know, it takes years and years to finish a house because people have opinions and then families grow, people get pets, they swap out things that they already own. I'm doing this whole house for somebody to actually win. So the reason it's such a dream is literally a dream is because you're walking into this house, you're finishing the whole thing without like a bunch of different, you know, this homeowner and that homeowner and having to worry about kids' schedules. And then you walk away and to walk away from a house that is completely done by me, like like even like the toothbrushes that are in the, I always That's use wooden cool. toothbrushes, by the way, I always mm. use bamboo tooth because they photograph the best of plastic mm-hmm. toothbrushes. They don't make for good photos. So <laughs> it even comes down to like going outside and taking clippings and putting them inside of a vase. So the idea of walking away from a 100% completed house is such like a fantasy job. Yeah. So I have zero complaints. It's such an amazing, I, I have so much fun doing it. It's not even That's any, it's not even stress. It's just, a, it's like fun every year. Like mm-hmm. I, sometimes I I pinch myself I'm like I can't believe I have this job. How long does it take to do the house? About nine your, months. Nine months? We build them now. They used to be, for a few years we did remodels, but mm-hmm. now we usually start building the house around January and then I'm installing it in um, September. So when did you finish this install? End of September? Uh, yeah. So what I usually do, is, cool. so in August and in the beginning of September, I go to Iceland and I just chill out because the installations are long. I'm there for about a good month and a half because I'm also, I'm the interior designer, but I'm also art directing all of the assets for the house. And mm-hmm. we have commercials coming in to shoot the car, commercials coming in to shoot the furniture. So I'm there on the ground. And the thing that I love about it is most interior designers are control freaks because you're at the end of the day, it is like running a brand. So I love the idea of like, even when the living room is shot to have it look like somebody was actually there having a drink with like maybe a messed up pillow. And they, my, my partners that I work with, they're really cool with that. They love the idea of making the house look like somebody truly lives there. Cause it's a giveaway home, which means nobody lives in it yet. And you know, when you shoot a model home, you can tell in a photo it's a model home cause it just doesn't, mm-hmm. it's so right. sterile. Yeah. So we, our job is to make this beautiful home that truly feels like a home and not a model, like, a, like somebody lives there. So uh, it's about a nine month process. And, uh, uh, I get the, I get there um, in September. The thing that's amazing about this job is every year I'm in a different part of the country. So I get to see I get to see fall wherever I am. So f- the best falls ever. Last year was the best because it was Montana, which is pure magic. Oh, gosh, yeah. Absolutely beautiful. And then the year before that was Washington State, which is perfection. Never saw a day of rain the whole time I was wow. there. And then the other thing is then we go to the coastal settings. So that means if we happen to be in really gray Atlanta, in Dece- you know, it, well, no, Atlanta's not really gray till like, to like November, December. But the good thing is this job usually happens in the middle of, at the very end, the very beginning of fall, which yeah. I get to experience all different climates and different people. So South Carolina has a lot to offer because that weather's consistent. And it's mm-hmm. like, if you want to live a beach lifestyle, 
you can, you get winter with it, but it's a mild winter. It's like you yeah. get to wear a sweater to the beach. That's pretty cool. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, when I win, you guys can come. Okay, and wear great. a sweater. Good luck, everybody. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Should we do some decorating dilemmas? Let's do a dilemma. Yes. A decorating can help dilemma. us solve a problem. Okay. There are Free no problems, advice. only solutions. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this, Caroline. <laughs> Caroline, um, did you submit a dilemma? Yes, I did. <laughs> so this one's from nice. my friend, Caroline. <laughs> and she writes to say, big fan of the show over here. I love your input in my master bedroom. We moved into this 1950s ranch a few months ago. The master suite was added on several years ago, and it is huge. The master closet is large enough to house all of our clothes, so we have no need for clothes storage in the bedroom. The area with the Ballard stand-up mirror will have some art on the wall beside it. The large baskets beside the Ballard can bed are for the pillows at nighttime. She has all Ballard in her room because the Ballard secretary desk houses paperwork, etc. since we don't have an office. The couch is nice for reading, watching TV, but the corner with the brown recliner stumps me. What should go in the corner? Seating really isn't needed. Should it be a bookcase, a makeup vanity... No idea what could occupy that space and be functional. And the second question is, the bedside tables will obviously be replaced, but I'm not sure what to go with. With a few wood tones already, I'm thinking painted. Color suggestions. Also, I think they need to be pretty large to stand up to the large bed. Thank you all so much. The podcast is such an amazing way to spin our drive or cleaning my kitchen. I respect y'all's opinions greatly. Y'all. 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 It is, oh, it is a large master bedroom, a rectangle on one of the short walls, she has her bed flanked, and there's a window to the left of the bed and a window over the bed, but no window to the right. She, that's where she has a leaning mirror, and then it looks like a doorway. Opposite the bed, there is a media with a TV flanked by two windows. And then on the left side of the bed, there's a large window where she has tucked in a sofa. It's a large room, y'all. And then in the corner there, she has a leather chair. And then on the other long wall, there's a doorway and a large secretary that closes up that she has her paperwork in that is brown. The media center is white. The bed is looks like sort of a Belgian oak. And then her bedside tables appear to be painted black or maybe a dark wood finish. All right, go. B. Flynn. This oh, is not B. actually Patrick. Caroline's house just <laughs> i believe I, just, I i i was definitely not thinking it was Caroline. oh um i did for a second i figured that would just be way too close to home um <laughs> this is a good size bedroom the first my the first thing that my eyes go to are the bedside tables the reason being is i think that the wood of the poster bed should be the star so i don't think i don't think that there should be a lot of wood tones in there because they're going to start to argue so my my initial reaction is to do either a metal or a painted chest not a nightstand but an actual chest like 28 to 30 inches tall 36 inches wide i would say something in the painted family in the gray world would be great or unexpected like a bold color and then i would anchor the room with oversized lamps probably like a clear glass lamp with a simple white shade oh we have a now good is this, one what is it called Lila? yeah now is this one. a pair one on like one as each nightstand or only one side? I would do one on each side, but I wouldn't necessarily do the same exact one. Mm -hmm. okay. I'd probably look for something that's roughly like 36 inches wide, maybe 28 to 30 Similar inches tall. Footprint. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, just so it looks like you collected them over time. I think it just has more staying power when things don't match. It looks mm -hmm. like you it was handed down over the years. 
uh, I would keep them in the same color tone family or in the same or in the same materials family. I do think the metal would be nice in here. Uh, I, the location of that stand, that full length mirror, I think that makes more sense on the wall that has the window on it. Like either on, probably on the left. If you're looking at the window wall, I would flank that on the left with it. You mean the large like the window, window with the sofa? Yeah, the large window with the sofa. Because okay. you look at all the wall space right there. Mm. Yeah. Like, I love the idea of it being on the same side where the bed is. Because you get up in the morning. Like, say, say you sit on the bed, sit down on the bed, put your shoes on. You can stand up in that corner and see yourself. Plus, when you're in bed, you're going to reflect more of the room, mm -hmm. which I think will be nice. And then I see her dilemma as far as the seating goes. Because she's already – I like where the sofa is. It belongs there. But as far as what to put in that other corner, well, one of them is a French door, so she can't obstruct it anyway. God, over there, I think I would just do a huge piece of art. I was going to say, I think it's art that she's lacking. I feel like she's got pieces in there. It's but nothing on her wall. It's like the mm -hmm. art. Yeah, it's like a furniture show. There's really no, there's just a few, uh, there's a few framed photos. But I think right now where that dark wooden chest is should be one gigantic piece of art. Even if it's just an empty, even if you just go buy, even if she goes and buys like a six foot by four foot white canvas and just leaves it blank for a while. I think that you'd get the proportion, the scale down that way. And then there needs to be, we already have that one seating element. I feel like over in the corner where that chair is should be a huge palm. Mm -hmm, a big plant. Something I think she needs life. life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Life and height. Yeah, life and height and something with interesting organic shape. Could she, could she keep the chair, pull it forward and put the tree behind it? Or should she lose the chair altogether? What in here is from Ballard? The rug, the, the secretary, I believe the media cabinet under the TV. Yeah. Maybe the bench at the end. The, of the bench at the end, I believe, bed. is us, and I think the, yeah. the, the bed, bed might be us. The bed is us. Yeah. The bed is I us. That. I designed so that bed. You did. You did Karen a good designed job that bed. It didn't sell. Wow, that's so good. It's a beautiful bed. It Thanks. Bad. I bought it. <laughs> did you? Mm -hmm. It's a great bed. You bought it. I like it. Yeah. No, the end. Where in your house for Ballard Science? Yes. Okay. No, but where anyway. did you buy? Where did you put it in your house? Yeah. Oh, what room it's in? I just hoarded it. Oh, it's just in the basement or something. We, it's in store for the next house. Oh, okay. Cool. This sounds familiar to all of us who work in the design industry. <laughs> I bought that and I have nowhere to put it. It's just going to go in my basement with the 16 other things I bought and have no room for. With the for. other beds. <laughs> yeah, with the other, I had like seven beds. I just gave my, one of my friends in Texas, I, I gave her my bed. You literally like, I have. I had, if you rent a truck and she seriously flew to Atlanta, rented a truck and I said, I have an entire basement worth of furniture. It's absolutely stunning. It's sitting there. I have no room for it. I don't know why I bought it. And she came and I went to, I went to her place like two days ago, actually yesterday. And she, she came, she got it and she set up her house and now she's it looks a furnished fantastic. home. Yeah. That's like awesome. we all, we all. That's what we should all do. Like You're since we have, have, we should. We I should all just do swaps. Yeah. swap, swap, swap. Actually, that's a good idea. It's kind of like book club. Uh, so <laughs> here's my fix. I actually like the idea of taking the dark brown tall boy and putting that below the TV. I think that the TV, because of, because it's a four poster bed, the TV could actually be put on the wall, uh -huh. and that brown wood can go below it. Because I like the scale of mm -hmm. it, and I also love that entertainment center. But I wonder if that entertainment center could potentially go over where I said we should put a, a tree, and instead do an arrangement of different plants on top of it, and then use the inside. Because I love using furniture that's meant for one thing, a little out of context. So that is a media mm -hmm. cabinet, but it could also be fantastic as a plant stand. See, that's what I love, especially about furniture, like like this all being from Ballard is. It's the lines are so classic. You can use it any way you want in any room in the house. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I was going to say is I think the rug is so special and spectacular. We need to honor the color of that rug. So perhaps one of those colors goes on the wall. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the navy or one of the blue grays. But I also think uh, proportionately there should be another rug underneath it anchoring the room. I think I think there should be a very textural sisal or jute rug in here underneath that patterned rug. 
And also the direction that rug is going, I think is wrong. I think it should go perpendicular. Right now it's coming out from the wall like a like a almost like a, a runway where I think it should go perpendicular to the bed. How far under the bed does it need to go? I like I'm anytime a rug is big enough where it can go all the way to the back underneath the back legs, I'm a fan, but most don't. So okay. in that case, I always want to have like at least like 18 to 24 inches of rug in front of the bed. Mm-hmm. So I'm, if you're going to have to tuck it under or not all the way to the floor, I think it's I think at least two-thirds of the way under the bed. That's my okay. favorite. But I'm also a huge fan of layering rugs in rooms because, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's something about it being a room and having more layers that makes you feel sleepier. Yeah. Did I even mm. help answer that? Did I help her? So I so so is she supposed to mount her TV, mount the TV on the wall, and then – I would mount the TV Free on the wall and, and, and put it put it above that the brown wood piece of furniture, mm-hmm. and then you don't really. Oh, need to, I see. Okay. Then okay. she doesn't really need to style anything on top of it because it would it would it would it would block the TV. Then I think the media center seems to be a really good size to go over where that chair is and be used as a plant stand. Then you could she could actually put a tree in the window, but um. But I, there's something about that chest that which is, is that Ballard too, the dark wood? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something about it that just looks so passed down over the generations. And I would want that right under the TV so you're looking at it more. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. called the large Eastman. I think because it's dark like, and the TV's dark, it, it will be very landing. Like it'll, yeah, your eye's going to like. It won't be as contrasty as having the black TV mm-hmm. on the white. You know audio. what? I think that's it. I think right now there's there's all this contrast. The star of the show to me right now is the area with the TV and the TV center because of the stark contrast. I think yeah. if you put the black TV on top of the dark wood cabinet, then they fade away because they're both utilitarian anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you look at a beautiful rug, which should be the, the rug and the bed should be the star here. And I like your idea of um, either a gray or navy on the wall because I, for the same point as what y'all are just saying with the contrast, I feel like the drapery is like so dark off the white wall that mm-hmm. it like it's a navy drape, I think. Yeah, the it, of the it like oh, I wouldn't. <sighs> It's well, it's because your eyes your eye goes straight to it because it's dark. Right. So, and so maybe if there's she like did a little linen or something. I don't well, know. Well, I that think goes. she can keep the. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying she needs to switch oh, the drapery, but if she painted it even just a little bit, because mm-hmm. it's bright white now. I think I think this is a perfect example of a room that could use a dark color on its walls because it's not a small room. She's not going to shrink it. Mm-hmm. If anything, she's probably going to make it seem a little bit more personal. And uh. And dark dark walls in a bedroom are so soothing. Mm-hmm. I fall asleep way better. I love them. So do I. Like I our place this. in the mountains, we, we it's all, it's it's super super dark hunter green. But then the, we didn't have enough room for a headboard, so we completely upholstered the wall behind the bed to look like a headboard because there's no room for one. And there's something about being around all those dark colors that even if it's day like broad daylight, I can take a nap in that room. There's something to be said about going dark in bedrooms. I think mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. really good for the brain. Okay, agree, Caroline. I love it. Yeah. Good, good job. Great name. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for your help, Brian. Yeah, I do this for a living. <laughs> okay, will you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work, all that good yes. stuff? Yes. Right now you can find me at Ballard <laughs> on the four place. Um, but my Instagram handle is at B Patrick Flynn. My name is Brian Patrick Flynn. Somebody else, I think so, I couldn't fit the handle. So it's at B as in Brian, Patrick as in my middle name, Patrick, Flynn as in Flynn, my last name. And that is on an app you can find on the iPhone called Instagram. Ooh. <laughs> you can actually find it on other phones too, I hear. Oh, you can find it on smartphones. Yeah. 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 Or you can find it on the internet even. I think you can just Instagram.com slash B Patrick Flynn. Yeah, and Caroline has a laptop, which makes me think she even has the internet. Mm, do you I have do. that on there? the interwebs? She does. Yes. Something we all have in common. Use of the internet. And, and we work you also interiors. have a production company called Flintside Out. Yeah. So I also I also own the my I own in, in, in addition to being an interior designer, I own a, a boutique but rather successful production company so it's called Flynn Side Out a whole play on my last name and the fact that we do 
inside and outside spaces. And uh, we produce a lot of uh, TV and video, video and original print and web content. So usually we editorialize anything we do. So if you were my client, I did your house. I'd probably also come in with my whole team and turn it into beautiful videos and photography and to be used as content because that's what everybody wants now. Content, content, content. Brian, thank you so much for being our guest. We really appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by. And that is our show for today. Uh, you can leave us a review in your podcast app. We would Five appreciate stars. that. And of course, check out the show notes <laughs> at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. Send your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. We'll answer it on a future episode. And follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And I think that's it. Okay. So until next time, happy decorating. decorating.